Welcome to the Bible Foundations program. I'm Jerry Smythe, and I sincerely thank you for taking the time out of your busy day and busy schedule to look at the Word of God and learn for yourself the foundations of God's Word that are essential for us to come to Him. As we've learned in our Bible Foundation studies together over recent days and weeks, we've realized that God does not accept people coming to Him their own way. They must come to God God's way. You and I must come to God God's way. And we see that God has dealt personally with many people over many hundreds of years, demonstrating to us through them that he has expectations that are sinless and perfect and righteous and just and true, and that he alone is the standard by which all other things can be judged. And he is the owner of all of creation, he is the owner of all mankind, and he is the owner of all that he has made, even still today. And he has the right to tell us what to do because he is our owner. Now God has taken great pains over the ages to demonstrate to you and I the truths that he wants us to know about himself. He gave us one series of persons after another as demonstrating evidence to us of how God says we can come to him and how that we can know the truth about him. You see, he had his special messengers write down just exactly what he wanted us to know about us as living history took place. God loves all people, my friend. He loves you and he wants you to know the truth and he wants you and I both to be delivered from the power of Satan and sin and death. That's what the Bible is all about. We see that God raised up the nation of Israel with many prophets, many special messengers named prophets, and they were told uh, what, as they were told the messages of God, they passed that on to the people. And the message was, repent, change your mind about your sin and yourself, and come to God God's way. Destroy your idols. Don't trust in yourselves. Don't trust in the false worship of other religions. Come only to me by the blood sacrifice, acknowledging your need of a Savior before me. God promised that he would send grave consequences upon the people who were known as the people of God, and yet they would refuse to repent, and they took to themselves other religions, other idols, idol worship, instead of keeping God's law. God gave the law as a standard so that we would know what his standard was, and so that we could recognize sin in our own lives and how we're unable to keep the laws of God. We're unable to keep the laws of God because we are born in sin. We are born sinners. We are born to be sinners. And we sin because we're sinners. And my friend, the problem is God hates sin. And it's typified in Lucifer himself, who found whom God saw sin in his heart, and he threw him out of heaven when he wanted to take God's place and exalt himself above the very God of heavens. And you see, God said that when we rely on ourselves, instead of coming to God in dependence on him for forgiveness of sin, he calls that sin. And God hates sin. And that's what he created the lake of fire for, for those who were independent of him. And those who follow Lucifer or Satan himself and follow his example, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire that God has prepared for him. But God promised a deliverer that would save us from that punishment if we would come to him his way 
God has not changed. He's still the same, and he will still punish all of those uh, who refuse to come to God God's way or serve anyone, anyone who serves anything besides him who is the only and true and living God. You see, we've got to come to God God's way. Now thousands of years have gone by since God first promised the Deliverer, the one who would deliver us from the power of sin and Satan and ourselves. You see, God had not forgotten, even though a long time has gone by. God promised the Deliverer, and he gave us much information through the various prophets about the Deliverer, which we'll begin to look at in our lessons together these days. Now, all of the messages that God has given to us about himself have been written in the Bible. We can depend upon it. It's not going to change tomorrow. And uh, we can read it just like has been read in days past because God has given it to us and God has given his word and that settles it. That's his total and complete message to you and I today, my friend. He has told us and all mankind for all ages, do not add to my word and do not take from it for their severe and sore punishment for adding to and taking from my word. God has given us today the completed revelation of himself in the Bible as it gives us the account of the deliverer and the way to come to him through God's promised one. As we've seen recently, many times the people who came heralding the name and the promises of God were not appreciated. They were ones who said, repent, change your mind about your sin. And what did the people of Israel do? For example, they persecuted and killed the prophets of God. They continued to worship idols and they followed the wicked ways of their surrounding nations. Oh, they were very religious people. They continued to go to the temples and offer sacrifices as forms of worshiping God. But was God pleased with them? No, my friend, he could not accept their uh, sacrifices because they were worshiping God with their lips and not with their hearts. They were unrepentant and they didn't trust God in their hearts. You see, God knows our hearts and we've seen the evidence of that throughout the centuries as we've examined the accounts of God interacting with living men and women. And God has always been consistent. He's always promised that if we come to him his way, we'll be accepted. If we refuse to come to him his way, acknowledging our sin, then we have eternal separation from him. And the patience of God runs out as mankind continues to go his own way instead of coming to God God's way. Now, the Bible tells us that God did accept some of those Israelites. Yes, God accepted those who agreed with him that they were sinners and trusted in him for his mercy and forgiveness. And those who believed the promises of God were waiting for the deliverer, the one God promised to save them from Satan and from the punishment of their sins. But as we've seen in example after example, to those who refused to believe, the Lord had judgment in store, and he gave them plenty of time and plenty of warning, sometimes hundreds of years, to change their minds. But people are inherently sinful, and there were many who refused to believe God. And God said, if that's the way you want to be, those of you who are living in the northern kingdom now, you're going to be carried off by the Assyrians and you'll be slaves to the Assyrians. And those who lived in Jerusalem and the two southern tribes known as Judah, they would be carried away by the Babylonians who would destroy Jerusalem and take these people captive. 
But God still shows his mercy to a people when they call on him in despair. After 70 years of captivity, we find them back in Jerusalem rebuilding the city and the stone walls, and they built the temple of the Lord, rebuilt it. You see, God was merciful. As the nation of Israel is dispersed into the many lands around the world of that time, we see that their name is come known to us as the Jewish people. Those of Judah, we believe, are called now the Jews, the ones who were known as the nation of Israel, and they're subject and conquered to by the people known as the Greeks and the Romans. And the Greeks worshipped many gods, and we see that the Romans worshipped many false gods as well, as in, a, in addition to their king, who was known as Caesar. It was during these times that there were synagogues that were built, and these buildings were built all over the world where Jewish people lived to teach the Old Testament scriptures. They continued to meet one on the last day of the week, and yet, while there were those who were worshiping God only with their hearts, there were those who truly believed in the promises of God. But God has always preserved a line of people who would believe him. There were those like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. And yes, these were people who realized they were sinners, but they trusted in God. They came to God the way God had told them to come, bringing a animals and blood sacrifices and they were waiting for god to send the promised deliverer and there were those who hoped that for that promised deliverer even when for 400 years god gave them silence no further revelation was given after the book of malachi and there were 400 years of absolute silence no revelation of god at all what was God doing those, during those silent years? Well, he was causing one nation to become, to bring in them the trade language of the day. The Greek language as Alexander the Great conquered that whole part of the world. And the language of the Greek people became the trade language of the day. Then under the Romans, we see that roads were built all over that part of the world. Those roads would be the roads that would carry the people of God with a message that is important to all the nations of the earth. That is the promise of the deliverer and how he had come, as we're about to discover. God was ready to do what he had first promised clear back in Genesis 3.15 in the Garden of Eden. He had promised that he would send a deliverer. Now we're going to begin our study of the New Testament with an early story of an elderly Jewish couple who believed in God and were awaiting the fulfillment of all of God's promises. We know those people as Zacharias and Elizabeth. We'll turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 in just a moment, and we'll see that God had prepared the whole world for the coming of the Savior, even especially those who were watching for the promises of his coming. The prerequisite you would remember for coming to God is that man must have faith in order to please God and to be saved, and that man can only come to God according to God's will and plan. That's what we see happening now as we turn to the book of Luke. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was with of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Zacharias and his wife, uh, Elizabeth, were Jews who trusted in God. 
they'd believed the record and they were looking forward to the promise that they had been given of the deliverer. They offered sacrifices in the temple, just as God had commanded Moses to do, and the people following him. You see, because they trusted in God and came to God his way, he had told them, as he had told them, God accepted them, just as he had accepted Abel and all of the others who trusted in him from the beginning of the world. Verse 7 tells us, And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken with years. We see that Zacharias and Elizabeth were now very old, and they'd never been able to have any children. My friend, when God wants to do something spectacular, he begins with the impossible, and here we see it again. But is it possible we can believe that God would give Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are now very old, a child? Yes, my friend, the Bible records it's happened before. We've seen that in the lies of Abraham and Sarah. God kept his word to them. Now let's watch as God gives, keeps his promises and uh, gives the promises of his deliverer coming to Zacharias as Elizabeth is found with child. Verse 8 says, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of the incense. You see, Zacharias was one of the priests in the temple. Now you remember that the people could not go and make the sacrifices for themselves. There had to be a mediator, one who would stand between a righteous and holy God and the people who were sinful, one who would accept the sacrifices of the people and present those sacrifices with the sprinkling of the blood and the offering of the, sense, uh, of the incense in just the way that God had prescribed clear back in the time of Moses as they built the tabernacle. They were not allowed uh, to go beyond the veiled curtain that was between the holy place and the most holy place or the place we call the holy of holies where the mercy seat sat upon the ark of the covenant and this is where the presence of god was uh, was demonstrated to the people of israel now this priest was the one who offered the incense as an offering of prayer to god the symbol of prayers to god in this case Zacharias was one of those who represented sinful people before a righteous and holy God and offering their, uh, presenting the evidence of their offerings to God within the temple. Now God continues to communicate with man just as he has all the way from the beginning of the Bible, all the way from the beginning of time, my friend. We've seen it in living history and now we see it here in Luke chapter 1. Let's look at verses 11 to 14 and see and listen to what happens to Zacharias while he's doing his work as a priest right in the temple. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Zacharias and Elizabeth had served the Lord faithfully for many years, and even though they were childless, they kept calling on God and asking him to meet the need of their uh, childlessness. You see, the angel of the Lord told Zacharias, Thy prayer is heard. 
thy prayer is heard. You see, God hears prayers, and he answers prayers. Sometimes it takes a long time, it seems to you and I, and I'm sure it seemed like a long time and even perhaps past time to a couple such as Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were now well along with years. But once again, they prayed to God, they believed God, and they carried out what God had given them to do and shown the being a demonstration of the way to know God by coming to him in belief. And that's why they came in prayer. They believed God. And now the angel tells Zacharias, I want you to have, you're going to have this son and I want you to name his name. Give him the name of John. John was not a name that was normal to their family, but that's what the angel told them. I want you to name him John. John would be the forerunner of the deliverer the one who would tell the people, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now in verses 15 to 17, we see the angel of the Lord describing for Zacharias just what the importance of this son was to be. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now we see that God has always very carefully planned everything he was going to do. He knew what was going to happen before things happened over and over again because he planned it that way. He knew that this was going to happen when he rested on the seventh day after he'd created the heavens and the earth and the first man and woman. God is a planner. And this is not a surprise to him. You see, he's everywhere all at once. He knows what's going to happen because he knows everything. And God keeps his promises because he's faithful. You see, he never changes. There's never even a shadow of inconsistency about God. And now we see the angel of God reporting to Zacharias how this one named John would be a special messenger and how that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the time of his mother's womb. The Lord knew all about Zacharias and, and his son even before Elizabeth became pregnant. You see, everything is known to God before it ever happens. God knew all about us too, you see, even before our parents knew that we would be born. God had foretold uh, Zacharias uh, about his son through the prophet Malachi. Turn back to the book of Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 and we'll look at that together. You see, not only did God foretell many things through his prophets, but everything he promised, he also kept his word about. He fulfilled those promises. Now the writings of Malachi the prophet are written just before the beginning of the New Testament, just before Matthew, the very last chapter, our book of the Old Testament. And the prophet Malachi wrote this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of my covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. 
God had revealed that promise to Malachi, clear back there, 400 years before this time of Zacharias, now receiving the revelation of God through the angel. And the angel reminds Malachi, or reminds Zacharias that Malachi had spoken this very thing. Zacharias' son, John, would be the prophet who would prepare the people to receive the coming deliverer. The angel said that Zacharias... Uh, son John would go ahead of the deliverer and prepare the way before him. The angel called the coming deliverer the Lord. The coming deliverer, the Savior of men, was to be God himself. Now let's look on to verse 24. And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Elizabeth knew that God, it was God who is the one who had made it possible for her to conceive. It would normally be impossible for her in her old age to have a child. But my friends, once again, God reminds us that when he wants to do something spectacular, he begins with the impossible. Another miracle, because you see, God is not limited to the finite thinking of mankind. He doesn't have to do things the way we do them. And that's why he does it the unusual way, to demonstrate to you and I that he is God and that he's doing something special. Now we find Elizabeth very happy and thankful for God had blessed her and taken away her reproach. In those days, the Jewish people looked down on couples that didn't have any children. Now Zacharias and Elizabeth were going to have a son in their old age, and their joy was full. You see, God is faithful. He's keeping his promise to them, and now we see him keeping his promise to another young lady. It was now God's time to fulfill all the promises regarding the Deliverer. Listen to what God says as he communicates with man. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1 tells us, And in the sixth month the angel, of the, of, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. God sends his special messenger, an angel, to tell a virgin named Mary that God has chosen her to be the mother of the deliverer. Now, my friend, the scripture told us clear back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, that this promised deliverer would be of, the, of a virgin, the seed of a woman. There's no man involved, no human man involved here, my friend, and that here God is announcing through the angel that Mary, who is a virgin, would be the, was chosen to be the mother of the deliverer, that promised one who would deliver us from the power of sin and Satan and bring us into a right standing with God. You see, Mary was just an ordinary young lady who, although she was a sinner, trusted in God to send the deliverer. Yes. She was one for whom the blood sacrifices had to be brought to the altar and to the temple. 
and that the forgiveness had to be had to be uh, given through the sprinkling of blood in the forgiveness of sin by the priest. She had to come to God by the priest like everyone else did. But she came because she trusted God to send the deliverer. God chose Mary to be the mother of the deliverer because God does whatever he wants to do. He is sovereign, my friend. He is the highest authority. He doesn't ask anyone or does he answer to anyone for what he does. And God is faithful. He always keeps his word and he never changes. You see, God is loving and merciful and gracious. And Mary's son was to be the promised deliverer. His name was to be Jesus, which means Savior or Deliverer. God had never forgotten his promise to send the Deliverer. And God loved the whole world, and he wanted sinners to be delivered from the punishment that they deserve for their sin. And he wanted Mary even to be delivered from the punishment that she deserved as a sinner. She was one who looked to God, and God counted it to her for righteousness. And so he was able to use her as the mother of his son the mother of God the Son, the mother of the Son of God. You see, Jesus Christ is God, and yet Jesus Christ is man. Mary's son would be both man and God, the Son, the Son of God. Now the angel Gabriel told Mary some other amazing things about her future son. Look at verse 32. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. You see, Mary's son was not only to be truly her son, but he would also be the son of the highest, that is, the son of God. Six hundred years earlier, God had announced these things to the prophet Isaiah. Turn there with me for a moment to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Here we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, this Son of Mary is the Son of God, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus had many names because he is God. Jesus was his name as a man, his human name, you might say. Now, when we began studying the Bible together, we learned about the Trinity. We learned that although there's only one God, God is three persons who are equal in every way. These three who are one God are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit never had a body as we human beings do. God is a spirit and doesn't have a human body. But the Savior had to be a human being, just as we are, except that he must be sinless. That was the one major difference, you see. And had he been born by a man, he would not have been sinless. You see, you and I are born with sin as our genes. We're born to be contrary to God. And so the Savior, the Deliverer, had to be one that was born sinless. He had to be one that was born as God becoming the revelation of man known to us, or to man as God the Son. Yes, 100% God. God who is known as a part of the Trinity in the very beginning of Scripture is now known to us as God the Son. This had to be, you see, because God's plan for the Deliverer needed to be fulfilled. God the Son had to be born as a human being. 
God chose Mary to be the mother of the Deliverer. The Deliverer was the Son of God who had come down from heaven to be born on earth as the child of Mary. Mary's son would be both God and man in one body. This Jesus would be fully God and fully man. Furthermore, the angel told Mary that because the deliverer would be a direct descendant of uh, would be a direct descendant of King David. He was to be the king over Israel. He was to be king forever. That was God's promise to those of the throne of David. Look at it with me in Luke chapter 1, the second half of verse 32 and verse 33. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. You see, God keeps his promises, and he was going to do what he had promised King David. Look at verse 34. Then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? You see, Mary couldn't understand how she could have a child who wouldn't have a human father. Now look at 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The angel had told Mary that God the Holy Spirit would perform this miracle. A man was not needed. You see, Jesus Christ is holy and righteous because Jesus Christ is God. Because Jesus was born without a human father, he would be born sinless. No descendant of Adam is holy and righteous. Every person in the world inherited Adam's sin and were all sinners because the sin of Adam was passed down. But Jesus' father was God. God is perfect and God is holy and God is without sin. And Jesus would not inherit that sinfulness. You see, he was the promised deliverer. He was God the Son.